This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1195. I'm Rob Jan and Megan McHugh, our co-host, is away on an epic Dungeon and Dragons quest. And today's show is entitled Miff-Jeeves-Nessness. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to our podcaster, Joe Alcinador, and today's podcast is entitled Potted Rooms, which rather aptly describes Zero G's state of alleged mind after fossicking through the genre entrails of this year's Melbourne International Film Festival. <laughs> it's been a, a seething mass of things dropping out in front of us for this year's festival. As usual, we know we go through there and just sort of pick all the grisly genre bits out for you and basically miscategorise them or miff-categorise them into a number of sections, uh, science fiction, fantasy, historical, and also documentary, and a whole bunch of miscellaneous ones too, which all kind of have some otherness element going to them because, you know, that's what we do around here. And a few other events and so on. And there's some uh, big events this year, uh, apart from the Nicholas Cageathon. <laughs> oh, that looks like a lot of fun. I think the Astor's holding that one of their um, overnight uh, events, Nicholas Cageathon. And um, that would be called. Uh, well, it is Cage Thorn. They did this um, an overnight app, but not for Nicolas Cage back last year, and so they're doing it again this year. So this is on Friday, the tenth of August, nine thirty p.m. They start, and they'll be showing his new, well, let's say horror thriller comedy weirdo film, Mandy, and also Raising Arizona, Red Rock West, Vampires Kiss, The Wicker Man. Oh. Drive Angry and Con Air all over one particular night. They, oh, pity they couldn't show Ghost Rider because, um, you know, I mean, it's um, shot here in Australia and all that. Ah, oh, well. But that's any, coming up at the Astor f- as part of the MIF. And I'm told that you can't actually book those on your pass, so if you want to go to that, you've got to arrange that sort of separately. And also... One that they have every year is the Full Dome Showcase at the uh, Planetarium. And uh, this year, one of the things they're going to be showing there is Caraberry. 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 Yeah, all right, we'll go with that. Which is, uh, oh, is it a different word for corroboree? Hmm, don't know. Absolutely clueless there, which is actually going to be the Sydney Opera House performance of Benelong by um, the Australia's uh, dance theatre group Bangara. So this is going to be done in the full dome at the planetarium. So it looked tremendous. Anything does when you project it up on that sort of level. Now, 
there's a lot of films, you know, usually over 400 at least, and nobody can really see them all, apart from maybe um, the programmers, but the average human being cannot possibly get to see them all because they, they just clash with each other. And I checked out the, um, the programming guide this year and this is the, uh, the paper one that you can get. And actually they've got a really good idea. They've got um, coloured uh, blocks that enable you to check out any day's offerings without them overlapping too much. So you've got time to run from the forum down to the Kino or from um, the Regent to the Comedy Theatre, you know. So I think that's kind of actually a better um, way of putting it. It it seems to be more accessible this year than than other previous years. Right, now, let's have a look at some of the science fiction films. There didn't seem to me to be too many in the strictly speaking SF category this year, and that's okay. Sometimes you don't. Uh, usually gets made up for in the fantasy section or the horror section. Uh, The first one is called The Cured, and this is in the night shift section, which always, always has a lot of juicy pickings for Zero-G. It's directed by an American filmmaker, US-American, David Frayne, F-R-E-Y-N-E. It's not subtitled, (laughs) so you will be able to understand what they're saying. But essentially it's a... um, uh, a zombie movie. Now, David Friend is actually an Irish filmmaker and, and this reminds me of um, uh, In the Flesh, actually the television series because um, you've got a, a story about a former flesh eater after the apocalypse didn't actually pop as much as it could have been. So they actually managed to uh, find a cure for the zombie plague and save most of the population in Ireland. So <laughs> they've got to kind of work out where they all stand after this horrific event. Uh, and I imagine that there's several things that are going to remind us of In the Flesh, the television series, because that dealt with the same kind of issues. This one actually stars Ellen Grace Phil Potts Page. I like using that whole name there. The Canadian actress who's been in... Um, Regenesis, and also was uh, Kitty Pride in the X-Men series of films, or Shadowcat, as her uh, cape made-up name goes. Also in the film Super as well in uh, 2010, and Inception too. So that one looks like it would be definitely Zero-G fodder, The Cured. Following on from that is a more surreal one called Diamantino, which is... um, by two directors, uh, Gabriel Abrantes and Daniel Schmidt. And this is a um, Portuguese language film, though it's been constructed from Portugal, France and Brazil as well. Uh, I can only quote from the... um, (laughs) <laughs> from the blurb about this. Well, actually, I suppose I could have a stab at it. <laughs> it's a, um, about a World Cup footballer who chokes at an important moment during the game and then uh, ends up in an anti-EU campaign which is being <laughs> pushed upon the world by his evil sisters. <laughs> That's 
actually, it doesn't make any sense at all to me, then, the narrative in this, which is probably a good idea. Uh, we've got a quote, the, quote, the quote is, giant fluffy puppies, surreal celebrity culture, lesbian double agents. I think that's probably enough for dear Mantino. That actually does sound like a lot of fun. Then we have Mermaids or Aiden in Wonderland, which is an Australian short film actually by Elizabeth A. Povinelli. And I wanted to mention this one about because it's about um, a toxic landscape at the end of the world and apparently only Indigenous people can survive in this and therefore... The mud children, as they are known, are stolen by Caucasian society in order to somehow find a way to keep themselves alive. Ooh, that sounds very controversial and good on them too. It's the mermaids or Aiden in Wonderland. What did that remind me of? Oh, yes, that zombie film that we reviewed recently, Cargo, that had a, uh, a kind of a, a similar theme to it. Prototype is another science fictional offering at the MIF. Uh, Blake Williams is the director of this, and it's as a um, uh, black and white immersive film. So they're using uh, 3D and virtual reality, essentially, I suppose. Uh, and this one um, covers a number of uh, various elements of the world in Texas from the 1900s and so on. It kind of falls into um, uh, a future past brief, I think, prototype. And there is uh, quite a few virtual reality films now at the MIF. That's their, their new arm adopted a couple of years ago. Uh, they're doing some interesting work with those. All right, well, that's about the main science fiction ones. There are some other horror ones that are science fictional in nature, but we'll get to them because I've kept them in the, uh, the main horror category. And pardon me if I, if I uh, spill over with some of these categories and have ones that don't quite fit because that's just the nature of a film festival. You can't always necessary pick out what kind of film it's going to be, even from the description. So I've just got to give you a, a rough guide there. This is Rob Jan here on Zero G on Triple R and we are talking about assorted myth items. Not mythological, <laughs> tongue twisted then, but uh, Melbourne International Film Festival 2018, which has been our tradition here on Zero G since 1994 to go through the various offerings. Into the fantasy ones now, Big Fish and Begonia, an animated film which is directed by two directors here. Uh, uh, There's one, Ling Chun, sorry, (laughs) Sun Liang and Chun Zhang, and this is a Mandarin language film. And it's been in the works for about a decade, this one. And so what we're actually looking at here is about um, the tale of Chun, a supernatural girl who appears as a red dolphin. If I notice in the picture a little unicorn horn on the top of her head. (laughs) And she is going to manifest in the world of human beings. Uh, So... This is actually um, a film that uh, got turned into a feature film after starting out as a fairly popular short one. Um, The pictures that I've seen look absolutely stunning from this, so I can 
recommend Big Fish and Begonia to you. Are we sort of in um, Studio Ghibli territory with this? Yeah, well, kind of. It uh, sounds a little bit similar to um, Spirited Away, which is a, a good comparison. Let's see how that pans out. Crow, The Legend, Chapter 1. Again, this is a virtual reality programming piece by Eric Darnell from the US. And they've actually got a few, a bit of a cast for this one. John Legend, Ty Sheridan, Oprah Winifrey and the Ogala Lakota woman, Sarah Eagleheart. So this is uh, Crow the Legend and it's based upon um, Native American Indian mythology about the origin of the seasons. So if you are into primal myths and legends, check out Crow the Legend. Again, in the virtually real environment, we've got Sai um, Ming Liang's Taiwanese film, and there's no dialogue in this one, which is one of the reasons why um, animated films and uh, VR films can work so well, You can, internationally speaking. Uh, this is one about um, basically a kind of a ghost spirit story where um, a man is uh, trying to recover from the, uh, the deaths of um, his mother and his next-door neighbour um, who are actually um, spirits, but it's not quite working out. And so he's... Um, trying to uh, make his peace with the fish that he's collected, <laughs> the deserted. Dog is a French-language film by Samuel Benchatry, and this is about a man who uh, ends up thinking that he's a dog, so he ends up living in a kennel. <laughs> I know, I know. That one's actually not uh, not a big stretch for zero G. <laughs> I have to say, uh, we've always um, been a big patron of the famous World War Flying Ace Snoopy living on top of his kennel, or the world's smallest astronaut, as he's sometimes known. And in this case, it's a man who lives in a kennel. I know that's a little bit calf guess, but uh, well, you know. That's how we roll at MIF for Zero G, at least. Ed Hell is an Italian film by Marco Renda. And this is um, a book, of, uh, I think it might actually be based upon a book. I'm not sure of that. So I won't go any f- pursue that any further. But it's, a, it's about a girl who's got, um, let's say, malformed, but I think they actually look quite elegant in the picture, um, ears. So she's being bullied in the classroom and she's also trying to work through the death of her father. So she summons up a fantasy world by accessing an expert. You know, there's usually a guardian or a mentor or a gatekeeper. In this case, it's a school janitor. Actually, that's often the case in fantasy films. So you'll see how that one develops. I actually think she just looks elvish with her ears. There's nothing malformed about them. Maybe Vulcanian or uh, elfin, but never mind. She's still a human being. She is not an elfin. She is a human being. <laughs> okay, there's Emma Nuda Umanu, 
And this is a film with a couple of directors and it's notable because it's from Timor Leste. So it's uh, Jonas Rusamale Diaz and Thomas Henning. Uh, and it's another ghost story too, um, basically working in that uh, littoral land between life and death, that interface. In The Fugue, which is by, I'll have to take a run up at this name, um, uh, Angineska Smoksinska, and this is a, a Polish-Czech Republic film, so it's, uh, the language is Polish for you. And I'm sure it's very polished indeed by the time you finish watching this film about a woman who has no memory or clue about her true identity. So, yes, she is born again, so to speak. So they put this all on television and people show up who say that they know her, but uh, she just can't, well, connect with them properly. So let's see how that one plays out. Now, we've heard about the girl with the malformed ears. This one's the girl without hands. And this is uh, not a Hansel and Gretel witch hunter's story, but close because it is based upon Grimm's fairy tales. Uh, it's about um, a miller who sells his daughter accidentally to the devil and has to chop her hands off. Now, that's pretty much going to make for a horrifying tale and, uh, well, you know, they don't seem to resile from their Grimm's fairy tale origins in this one. And uh, there's a handsome prince as well. But I don't think this one comes out as usual. I'm not going to have to go and look this up in my um, Grimm's fairy tale book to see which one it is. And speaking of the one, there's The Jealous One, which is a short by Elizabeth A. Povanelli about uh, an indigenous man who is beset by government bureaucracy. He's only trying to um, get a funeral on his traditional land. And the reason why this one falls into Zero G's purview is because there is a spirit involved in it as well. And a spirited film is Lou Over the Wall. That's L-U, Over the Wall. This is another animated one by Masaki Yuasa. And we know him from his work on the 2004 film Mind Game. I'm pretty sure we would have reviewed that back on the, in the myth back in the day. And also on Devilman Crybaby, which is a new film coming out this year, or might actually have come out by now. Um, but he has worked before as a director, screenplay, writer and character designer. So you'll know his work from the classic My Neighbours, The Yamadas and Samurai Champloo, uh, as well as a few other ones as well. And this is about um, a 14-year-old boy, Kai, who uh, going back to their ancestral home in a seaside village. They don't like music much there because they're worried it's going to attract the vampire merfolk. <laughs> so unfortunately, when Kai joins a band, this is exactly what happens. And that sounds like it might be fun for an animated film. Now, this is the big fantasy film, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Terry Gilliam, at last. <laughs> Oh, when did he start this one? 1989? Yeah. And, you know, this is the film they said could never be made. 
And here he is with it. Uh, Johnny Depp was um, in the lead originally, uh, but this one actually has Jonathan Price starring in the lead. And it just sort of feels like they've quietly managed to get through this one in spite of storms and budget problems and all sorts of other difficulties. It's been legendary. So finally this is getting its um, release and they're actually going to show it at the, uh, the Regent as part of the Headliners program. So actually that would be the perfect venue for that. Maybe the Forum would work as well, but, um, you know, the, uh, the opulence of the Regent sort of fits the, the kind of film. I've been actually um, uh, rereading um, Man of La Mancha at the moment, um, Don Quixote's tale uh and an interesting book it is too it, it meanders all over the place sometimes a little bit like rob jan on zero g but it tilts at windmills and you get the uh the flavor of the story that's influenced so much literature thereafter but anyway this is the terry gilliam one and it is at this year's myth at last an animated film called mira m i R-A-I, is by Mamoru Hosoda and he used to work at um, Toei Animation then moved on to Madhouse. But you will know his work from the 2006 film The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and also Summer Wars. Both of these we've reviewed on Zero G. Both of them are absolutely awesome films, animated films. Uh, also worked on Wolf, Wolf. He also did uh, Wolf Children too and The Boy and the Beast. So you know you're in good hands in Mirai. And this one um, uh, is basically about a toddler who's absolutely besotted by trains. Uh, and um, he has a new sister called Mirai of the title and has to work out his place in the family as it jostles around the new family unit. And there is a magic portal at the bottom of the garden for this one too. I actually look forward to seeing this one a lot because I've loved all of um, Osada's other work and if this one's anything like that, it'll be a treat. And it's called Mirai and it is an animated film. In the marmalade forest, forest. Between the make-believe trees G'day, I'm Brett McKenzie I played an elf in Lord of the Rings My dad played Ellen Dole the King You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. And I have one thing to say My name is Figwood the Elf You killed my father, prepare to die Rob Jan here Continuing on with our look at the Melbourne International Film Festival 2018 And they kick off at On the 2nd of August this week by run through to the 19th. So we're looking at some of the fantasy films and there seems to be rather a lot of zero-G spectral-lation in the department of ghost movies. And this one that I watched uh, last night, actually, Our House, not to be confused with any other movie called that, it's... um, Directed by Yui Kiyohara, and she's actually um, studied under Kiyoshi Kurosawa, not to be confused with any other Kurosawa, but he is, of course, a horror maestro. And so, yes, this is a very, very subtle 
maybe horror film, but it is definitely a ghost film or something like that. There may be parallel universes involved here because there's a house that uh, has several different people living in it, but not simultaneously in the same dimension. But they may actually be intersecting in some areas of their lives. So not one that's going to um, scare you to death or make you jump out of the shower with hair monsters attacking you or anything like that. It's a, a very subtly pitched one, this one, and you have to actually pay attention to what's going on or else you won't get that it is actually quite strange and unsettling. Uh, one of the things that actually amused me about this one is that all of the setups in it, all of the, um, the cinematography and the sets uh, and the urban and suburban environments reminded me of just about every single anime film I've ever seen that's set in uh, contemporary Japan. You know, the long country road with the power poles along the side and the suburban street that's got a tunnel at, at the end of it, a train viaduct or something like that, and there's a tunnel and it curves out into the, the environment. All of this reminds me of anime, but it's not. Actually, it would probably make a pretty good anime film too. But anyway, it's a live-action one and it's called Our House. Well, I'm not really sure about the live part of that because uh, there may be a ghostly presence there. It's, um, quite, I found it quite unsettling, but I really had to concentrate on it. Our House. Uh, you may want to check out Relaxer, or you may not. This one might strike too close to home if you're a gamer because this is an, uh, an American film by Joel... Potricus, and in the 1990s, in fact, 1999, there's um, a gamer named Abby who is challenged by his bullying older brother to beat level 256 on Pac-Man. And it's going to take him a while to get through and his bizarre, grotesque tale of how he manages to get there by the year 2000 is the subject of Relaxer. Uh, also, another one is uh, The Widowed Witch, and this is um, by Kei Chenji from China, a Mandarin language film. Won quite a few awards, this one, uh, including the top prize at this year's Rotterdam Film Festival. And it's about uh, a wronged woman who decides to pose as a shaman so that she can put down some hurt upon those who've wronged her. She doesn't have any uh, convenient dragon eggs cooking around like Game of Thrones, but she's going to have a crack at it anyway, and that's why this film fits into the fantasy section. A bit of horror next, I think, although some of these do contain horrific elements. Now, this one is actually part of a directorial theme that you can follow through. In the festival, uh, Helene Catet and Bruno Fozzani, husband and wife team, uh, they're uh, put together a film called Amur, which um, sounds weirder than most, but maybe not weird enough for Zero G, you never know. There are three actresses, three different stages of their lives, and um, one of them who is uh, haunted by a figure in black. 
Now that's just the uh, that's a feature length one, but they also have some Katet Fuzani shorts as well, uh, and we know they're um, quite interested in horrific matters, and you will find also uh, one of their films that was part of the anthology movie ABCs of Death, amongst the shorts, and there is um. Another of their films uh, a little bit later on. And speaking of anthology films, there's The Field Guide to Evil, which drinks up a lot of great talent from across international genre productions, including um, the aforementioned Agnieszka Smoksinska. She's and also um, Oh, who's that one there? Um, I'll go for one I can pronounce easily, Calvin Reader. <laughs> about that. But anyway, that's another one of those horror anthology films, The Field Guide to Evil, with eight different directors in there. Um, we've got Good Manners, which is um, a Portuguese film by Juliana Rosas and Marco Dutra. And this is um, about... Uh, what do we call this one? We call this one a werewolf film. That's the easy take on it. Uh, Anna sleepwalks every time there's a full moon and she has strange eyes. So we're wondering who the baby's father is. It's good on them. It's always good to have a werewolf film at Myth. So we've had a zombie one, a werewolf one, and kind of a vampiric mermaid one too. Um, there are so many horror films in here. We did mention that there was uh, one called Mandy, which is the one that's... Um, got uh, Nicolas Cage in it and he, he deals with a, um, a telekinetic bike messiah and there's uh, all sorts of horrible elements in there. But I did see another one called Murder Me Monster with the um, apostrophe after the, the me section and that one's actually um, a, a Spanish language one, I think, yes. And... Um, Literally, it may, the uh, the translation comes out, die, monster, die. And it's directed by Alejandro Fidel. Uh, he's an Argentinian-born writer and director. He did a film called The Wild Ones where teenagers uh, had to break out of a reform school in one of the provinces of Argentina and had to travel um, across the mountains uh, for hundreds of kilometres. And that kind of... Um, aesthetic of the landscape forming part of the story also applies to this one. And um, it starts out with a really confronting image of um, a woman whose throat has been cut while she's been out tending her flock of sheep and segues straight into the complicated police investigation that follows on from that uh, with um, actor Esteban Bigliardi playing Officer Cruz of the Rural Police, uh, who's always being told to wait for the forensics by his very strange police chief. Um, this film is confusing and also confronting. It's exceptionally gory in places. And I'm not really sure if it pays off adequately for the build-up, but it's certainly got style and atmosphere to spare. It's Murder Me Monster. Um, I won't tell you how it comes out because that would be wrong and also um, 
I don't really want to give away too much about the nature of the title monster. I don't know about it. I, I think I've seen better films uh, um, in, in the horror genre from South America. But nevertheless, it does have some moves. And as I said, the landscape in it is quite incredible. It makes you uh, stop and think. It's as much a character as the actual creature of the title and the human protagonist as well. Another zombie film is The Night Eats the World. It's a French film by Dominique Rocher and they've got some interesting riffs in this on the standard zombie story. But if I tell you that will again give you too much of an insight into it and we try not to do that. But check that one out. This is Kim Stanley Robinson, author of Red Mars, Green Mars and Blue Mars. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. Okay, now I could continue on with my listings, but I thought I'd uh, focus in upon one film which I did see, a documentary by Daniel J. Clark. It's called Behind the Curve. And Daniel J. Clark has done quite a few documentaries before, but also worked on uh, Friend Zone, the television series. And I think actually um, the title of the production company... Um, Delta V Productions is a bit of a clue to what kind of um, documentary this is. Now, I picked this one just as a out-of-left-field selection in that first weekend of when I'm checking out screeners from MIF. Um, usually a lot of the things I see up front are horror-related and I wanted a little bit of a break to start off with and so I chose Behind the Curve. It's about the Flat Earth Society people. It's by Delta V Productions, uh, which means change in velocity. And, you know, I thought I'd have a bit of a giggle with this one because these people are in the same camp quite often with anti-vaxxers, NASA denialists, um, anti-evolutionists and, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who conglomerate around the flat earth mythology. Well, it is actually interesting to see how they work it all out. There's a, it's a whole fandom thing. They've got T-shirts and merchandise, little domed disc worlds with clocks in them and uh, it all explains it by a physical f- sort of format. There are podcasts. There are songs. It must all be true. <laughs> well, their logic is so wobbly a cat would push it off the edge of a flat earth if one exists. In fact, um, I did actually see uh, one cat lover in this uh, series, she just does a podcast and she's got an exercise wheel for a cat. That's a very good example of um, <laughs> centripetal or centra, cat force, <laughs> at least. Um, they think that because of an expanding popularity that, the, that it means their theory must be more credible. But as one psychologist explains, the Dunning-Kruger effect um, Uh, about cognitive bias in which people of low ability have illusory superiority and uh, assess their cognitive ability as greater than it is. This is uh, one of the elements that that comes across there. And um, I think that uh, this documentary actually left me feeling more compassionate after I'd seen it than than anything else. Uh, And I'd really actually like to freeze frame on the bookshelves behind some of the people who are interviewed in this as one person says, look, I, of course it's not, um, it's just not the flat earth conspiracy. Um, he thinks that the scientists are hiding human sacrifices and doing blood rituals as well. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, okay, it's an enormous giggle. Um, 
But nevertheless, um, it's interesting to find out that just like any other group, there are splitters amongst them who, uh, you know, don't believe in one part of it or another. And there's a very interesting visit where they go to NASA and are terribly droll in the way they dismiss everything is there. So... Uh, the fact that there's a clip from Monty Python's Life of Brian in here uh, tells you which way the, uh, the the documentary filmmakers are sort of bending. Uh, and it's actually amazing the hoops that the, though not the spheres, the hoops that the flat earthers go through to try and get experimental proof, <laughs> such as it is, of their particularly strange theory. It's called Behind the Curve by Daniel J. Clark and it's in the documentary stream at The Myth. Well, that's it for Zero-G for today. There are many more films to be looked at and we'll continue on with that next week. And thank you to uh, Emma Costello from The Myth for helping us out with screeners. Okay, that's it for Zero-G for today. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.